2: Hej och välkomna till, inte kvack, men ändå kvack. Vi ber om ursäkt men det är just den här veckan så blir det för mycket som krockar och vi lyckas inte att spela in ett avsnitt. Men vi tänker att vi ska inte lämna er helt äh, åt vinden. Eh, ni ska få lyssna på någonting som jag hoppas kan eh, intressera. Det kommer från archive.org och internets stora arkiv där. Och det är, som står, en sermon on Christian science and Scientology. Och det kan säkert vara jätteintressant. Jag måste ju erkänna då att jag inte själv lyssnat igenom det här. För det här blev lite snabbt och lätt påkommit nu- när vi insåg att vi inte skulle kunna få, få till ett riktigt avsnitt den här veckan. Men, ha förtröstan... Eh, Roa er bäst ni kan med den här predikan. Och så sparar vi alla intressanta nyheter som vi har hittat när veckan till nästa vecka. Och då är vi tillbaka som sig bör. Ha en trevlig vecka och en trevlig helg så hörs vi snart.
3: Can you pull a Bible verse for me in ESV? Yep. Actually, I want uh, Matthew 13 starting in verse 24. Yep. Matthew 13 starting in verse 24. I'm going to do 24 through uh, 30. And then we're going to jump to verse 36. You just do what you have to do. We've been talking about the cults and the occult and just to put, you know, and sometimes it it gives you a sense of hopelessness and helplessness, you know, because Christianity, the the gospel of Jesus Christ is such a positive thing in the world and in our lives that you wonder why the world doesn't, why, why that isn't the only thing, why it doesn't just, you know, roll over everything else in its hope you know, in what it presents to you and how it changes your life, why it doesn't just overwhelm. And so um, I I was looking at this passage tonight, thinking that this gives us a pretty good explanation of why, when you get that feeling of why and the feeling of futility, look at what Jesus himself said. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field." But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. But he said, no, let's see, that's not right. What? That's not right. Oh, wait, 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 wait. 26, right. So when the plant yes. There you go. Sorry. So when the plants came up and bore again, then the weeds appeared also and the servants of the master of the house, came to and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, go to verse 36. Oh, you did. Uh, No, you didn't. Verse 36. It's okay. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest you just got a whole lot of doctrine in just a few verses because we've studied so many of these different groups who say there is no heaven, there is no hell. You know, they'll say, oh, there's heaven and God and angels, but there's no punishment, there's no hell, hell isn't real. Jesus Christ's own words, what did he just say? What did he say about the parable? He said that the gatherers, the reapers are going to be angels and they're going to take the sinners and those who bring sin about and he's going to gather them out. It says they will gather out of the kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. So the, 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 there's evil that's inherent. All of that, the, the, the bad angels, Satan's followers, all those are going to be gathered up by God's angels and cast into the fiery furnace and burn. It tells us the reason that we deal with it now, while there, why there are weeds or, uh, even worse, tares. This, isn't, this is talking about something you can tell, okay? And let me explain real quickly. A weed, you guys know weeds. If you work in a garden, you know what the weed is. You know, you can see the weed. It's thistles or whatever. It's not what you planted. A tear, on the other hand, looks exactly what, what you planted, but it has no fruit. It has no seed. So a tear in a wheat field, it grows. It has leaves. It's the same color as wheat, but when you pull it up, there's no grain on it. It's a waste of space. We have those in the churches. We have false Christians. We have people, the people that maybe have soured you at one point where you said, well, you know, church is full of hypocrites. You know, the tares are those who are in there. They use up the resources of the church. They mess with the church. And you wonder, why does God leave them there? And he says he leaves them there because if he yanks them up, if he were to discipline them, it would be even more unsettling to the church. He leaves them there until the end. Everybody's going to get judged in the end. The weeds are, uh, in my opinion, are these false religions. Okay, They're sown in. They, they break things up. You know? They use up the resources. You have no doubt what they are. You can see them. If you're the gardener, you know, if you understand the plants, you can see them for what they are. If you're a Christian who reads the scripture and understands the Bible, you'll understand these false religions for what they are. It requires some knowledge. If you don't know, then maybe you don't recognize that it's a thistle plant until it's got thistles on it. But even at that point, at some point, every person realizes that's a weed. Guess what? It doesn't have tomatoes on it. It's got big thistles, and it hurts my hand every time I go out to the garden. It starts to dawn on you. Maybe that's not a tomato. All the other ones have tomatoes. That one doesn't. It's got stickers on it. You know, and sometimes we're like that with like Christians. We're looking at these folks and we're saying, well, you know, they're OK. They believe something different than I do until your son joins the group. Until your dad joins the group and you start to realize it is important. I should have pulled that weed up. I should have done something about it. So we need to recognize weeds. We need to recognize the tares, the false ones. And we need to recognize the true church. And what makes up the true church? As a gardener in God's garden, we need to understand what the plants are, what the right things are. We need to have that understanding. That's why we've been going through all of this. Tonight, we're going to look at science. And Bill, we're going to start with Christian science. This is a cult that goes back to the 1800s. Oh, and I, we'll, we'll run through the standard stuff here, and then um, we'll have some fun. Because, uh, as I've said before, when I go through the PowerPoint, it's a it's a background thing. It gives us the basic details, but it doesn't necessarily give you the really juicy tidbits that some of these uh, groups uh, have. Um, I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's just because, you know, they don't want to go into too much depth. You saw the opening screen that Bill had up there. I mean, there's like... 20 different groups on the, in this one presentation. Um, and so they have to kind of balance it out. Uh, Christian Science was founded in 1821 by Mary Baker Edie. Edie, Eddie, whatever you want. Eddie, that is the name of her third or fourth husband. She was married that many times. Okay? Um, not only that, but uh, Mary was uh, given... Uh, morphine uh, due to an illness she had early. Her first husband was older than she was, and he died of a fever eight months after they got married. And I believe that was like when she was 22. And she became ill as well, had some uh, difficulties, and they gave her morphine. And according to documentation, she was on and off morphine her entire life. Now, that will color your judgment and your thoughts and so forth if you're having. You know, nobody's saying she was an addict. Um, You know, when I read these commentaries, they're not using that as a thing to say, oh, she was just a dopehead. You know, she was just stoned all the time, didn't know what she was saying. No, they're just saying that it's there. It's something that we need to know and realize about her is that she did have a, a drug issue that she had to deal with. The Church of Christ Scientist was founded in 1879, so she's not a young woman when she does this. She's 58 years old. Location was in Boston, Massachusetts, a nice east coast location. Her key writings include Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, which was published in 1875, Miscellaneous Writings, uh, a Manual of the Mother Church, and various other books of Mrs. Eddy. And the Bible uh, is one of their books, but it's not as reliable as the stuff that she wrote. And the Christian Science Journal. And the Christian Science Sentinel. It's interesting how these cult groups... Always have all these writings that are necessary for your understanding. It's not, this isn't good enough. You need to read all of these other books to understand the religion. Because, see, this is flawed in all of these cults. The Bible's always got a flaw. It's always got a mistake. Uh, Just people, just regular people did this, and God somehow isn't powerful enough to speak through them and make sure they wrote it down right. Or to bring his word to the present in the form that he meant. And so the Bible somehow has always got an issue when you're dealing with cults. According to Mrs. Eddy, God is an impersonal principle of life, truth, love, intelligence, and spirit. God is all that truly exists, matter is an illusion. According to Mrs. Eddy, Jesus was not the Christ, but a man who displayed the Christ idea. Christ means perfection, not a person. He is not God, and God can never become man or flesh. He did not suffer and could not suffer for sins. He did not die on the cross. He was not resurrected physically. So we have some issues between mainstream Christianity and Mrs. Eddy right here. Just in looking at that, when Christ is not God, he did not suffer, he did not die, and he was not resurrected. These are all foremost in Christianity. He will not literally come back, according to Mrs. Eddy. This is that he defines the Holy Spirit as divine science, that is, the teaching of Christian science. It is an impersonal power. To be saved in Christian science, sin, evil, sickness, and death are not real. Humanity is already eternally saved. Death is not real. Heaven and hell are states of mind. Let's see, Matthew 13, right? We just read, Jesus Christ himself says that at the end of the age, the angels are going to take the weeds, they're going to take the evil out of the population, they're going to take evildoers out of the population, and they're going to hell, to a fire. The way to reach heaven is by attaining harmony. Oh, Heaven's okay. Death's not real though. You're going to go to, you know, everything. You got to, it's such a mind game. Nothing is real. Remember? Matter is not real. Nothing is real. Everything around you is a dream. It's, it's an illusion. Your body's not real. Just what's inside your brain is real. So therefore you can heal yourself because there's nothing is real. It's just a perception. It's the matrix. You just got to reprogram it and you're fine. You can, you can fly. I mean, that makes as much sense. (laughs) Members use Christian science practitioners, authorized professional healers, who treat supposed illnesses for a fee instead of doctors. Healing comes through realizing one cannot really be sick or hurt and that the body cannot be ill, suffer pain or die since matter is an illusion. So just walk over here and put your hand right in that candle flame. It's an illusion. And if you're attaining oneness with God, it's not going to hurt. Because your flesh is not real. It's just an illusion. That's what Mrs. Eddy says. There's a whole group of people who follow this. I
1: knew someone.
3: Lisa has a best friend. Did they have a church?
1: Mm-hmm. and she would come and do things with me so that I could survive. And she was a Christian scientist, and we talked a little bit about it, but I wasn't strong enough. Christian, or I didn't really understand
3: enough to, you know, be close. I, really mm-hmm. I just Well, there are Christian science reading rooms scattered around the planet. Um, I think there's one in Zanesville. I'm pretty sure I've been, to, been by one in, in Zanesville. I don't think there's one in Cambridge. Um lisa one of her good friends as a child was her parents were christian science and they actually had a church and they had worship services on sunday morning they had she said it was so strange because knowing what she knows about christian science it didn't match up but they were christian scientists and you know they were in the church of of christian science and but they actually had worship services and sang songs and their daughter went to church camp with lisa and all this kind of stuff you know um Lisa knew that there was something different about them, but didn't, you know, as a youngster, didn't really understand it. Other beliefs and practices, they attract followers by claims of miraculous healing. And I, um, we'll see if we can uh, talk about that a little bit because I don't think they really cover it much in here. Um, You know, they're they're giving you like a quickie synopsis as we're going through this. But the background... No, they don't. Because you can be healed by stuff. Um, The... um, pop back here so we have christian science up here um mrs Uh, eddie um wrote that she um this is what let me see if i can find the thing um she discovered christian science because of this in 1866 eddie was severely injured in a fall and turned to the bible as she had been accustomed to doing as she had pondered in the past all things that she had pondered in the past came strongly and clearly to her as she read the account and account of one of Jesus' healings. She was immediately healed. Convinced that God had healed her, she spent the next several years searching the scriptures to understand the principle behind her healing. She named her discovery Christian science and explained it in 1875 when she first wrote Science and Health. Okay? So she also wrote herself, now you just realize this is what christian science says okay this is in their writings this is matter of fact this is this right here is from their website what i just read she fell injured a fall turned to the bible she was accustomed to doing she she's healed and then you know from the scriptures and so on and so forth here's what mrs uh, eddie wrote two weeks ago i fell on the sidewalk and struck my back on the ice and was taken for dead came to consciousness amid a storm of vapors from cologne, chloroform, ether, camphor, etc., but to find myself the helpless cripple I was before I saw Dr. Quimby. The physician attending said I had taken the last step I ever should, but in two days I've got out of my bed alone and will walk, but yet I confess I am frightened. Now can't you help me? I think I could help another in my condition, yet that yet I am slowly failing. Um. Basically, as they researched all of this, it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. It's all basically a fabrication, and, and there was no severe injury. Um, she, uh, a lot of her writings are plagiarizing from different doctors who had actually written uh, works about healing and so forth. And so she took ideas, some of them really out in left field, and made them her own. And it's it's well documented in other works. If you research Christian science, um, where they will show you previously published things, people that she knew who previously published things, that then that almost verbatim shows up in her writings at a later date. This will give you an idea of, of, of how spiritual she is, okay? Because remember, everything's an illusion. You're striving to be better. You know, you're supposed to... Uh, become a better person, uh, get all this junk out, you're supposed to be able to heal yourself, Uh, God's all around you and in you, so therefore you're supposed to be like God. After leaving Lynn, this is several years afterwards, largely, and that's a town, largely because of the revolt of most of her students, Eddie came to Boston and opened what later became the Massachusetts Metaphysical College. 571 Columbus Avenue. In, in the town there, where she allegedly taught some 4,000 students at $300 per student over a period of eight years. This is 1881. Okay, 500 students at $300 a year, 150 grand a year in 1881. Millions and millions—I mean, my goodness—it's a—it's a penny on the dollar in 1881 from today. Take it up a hundred times or a thousand times to get what she was making in real wealth. One cannot help but wonder what would induce a reasonably intelligent person to spend that amount of money for a course that never lasted the length of a college half semester, which was taught by a staff hardly qual- hardly qualified intellectually to instruct the in ninth grade. Eddie herself knew comparatively nothing of biblical history, theology, philosophy, or the ancient language. Christian science sources have attempted for years to prove that Eddie was a scholar in these fields. But the Reverend J.H. Wigan, her literary advisor for some years, and himself an excellent scholar, has gone on record as saying that she was grossly ignorant of the subjects in question. Okay, so we see a little bit of a motivation. There's some money to be made. Let's expand upon that. Should the skeptical reader wish proof on this point of history and on Edie's insatiable greed for the comforts of financial security and power we quote her announcement to that effect in its entirety okay now this has to do with at the time she's 61 years old okay the founder of this religion Christian science she's the one all the stuff that they teach today came from her writings they may have expanded upon it but we're talking about the root person okay the root person that God's using to bring this new gospel. Here's what she wrote. Christian scientists in the United States and Canada are hereby enjoined not to teach a student of Christian science for one year commencing on March 14th, 1897. So now the people that are out there under her, the people that are in the different congregations or whatever, the reading rooms, are told not to instruct Any of the new converts don't instruct them. Why? Miscellaneous writings, that's a title, is calculated to prepare the minds of all true thinkers to understand the Christian science textbook more correctly than a student can. In other words, you're not supposed to teach anybody. You need to read this book. Now, to read the book, what do you think you've got to do? Buy the book. <laughs> the Bible, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, and my other published works are the only proper instructors for this hour. It shall be the duty of all Christian scientists to circulate and sell as many of these books as they can. If a member of the First Church of Christ scientist shall fail to obey this injunction, it will render him liable to lose his membership in this church. Mary Baker G. Eddy. Please place close heed to what Eddie said in the above quote. She did not ask. She commanded all scientists as their duty to her church to circulate and sell her works and obey her injunction under penalty of loss of membership. If perchance a method of blackmail is ever rendered legal, it should not be stated in a more compelling terminology than this encyclical from the Eddie throne. Now, greed times two right is the founding thing of this religion let's do it one more i love this one this is even better as a result you know this is almost this is almost something that a tv evangelist would do one of the dirty ones as a result of this eddie perpetuated on the faithful the infamous tea jacket swindle calculated to draw from her gullible followers the revenue with which to further strengthen her treasury In line with this scheme, she drafted the following request to her church universal, which appeared in the Christian Science Journal, December 21st, 1899. See, they got a monthly publication, guys, the Christian Science Journal. Who's making money off of that back then? Mary Baker Petty was making money. She's making money, 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 money off of everything. Beloved, I ask this favor of all Christian scientists. Do not give me on before or after the forthcoming holiday, ought material except three tea jackets. All may contribute to these. One learns to value material things only as one needs them, and the costliest things are the ones that one needs most. Among my present needs needs material are these three jackets, two of darkish heavy silk, the shade appropriate to white hair, the third of heavy satin, Lighter shade, but sufficiently somber. Number one and two, to be common sense jackets for mother to work in. And not overtrimmed by any means. Number three for best, such as she can afford for her dressing room. Mary be- Baker Eddy. Now it sounds really like she's saying, don't spend any money on me. But what did she say? All may contribute. She sent out a letter saying all may contribute. So you're a dutiful little Christian Scientist, and you say, "Oh, poor Mom Baker. She she needs she she needs a jacket. I'm going to dig around in my drawer." And they they you know, and they send a dollar or two or ten. Remember, it's like a thousand to one between 1881, 1897, and today. I mean, a piece of candy cost you a penny back then, and a candy bar cost you 50 cents or a dollar now. You know, it's 100 times at least. The key to this whole financial angle is to fo- found in three short words. All may contribute to these. Notice Eddie does not request 200,000 tea jackets, merely contributions towards them. Only send the money to buy them. Mother Eddie must have enjoyed this neat trick of replenishing her gold reserve and none can deny that it was carried off with a finesse that rivals any confidence game ever conceived. Um, There's a a wealth of information. Uh, Basically, if we were to look at at this uh, woman, um, the sad part with most of these folks that start these cults that you need to realize, moms, um, dads, uh, that the children very often are raised in church of some sort they know about church and they've evidently never understood the doctrine they've never understood who jesus really was Um, i've tried to do my best to talk about the reality of jesus christ what jesus really is and what jesus is not you know that he really is the son of god that he was born of a virgin that God is not a thing that lives in all of us. The Holy Spirit indwells believers. But God is not just some impersonal power. God is a spiritual man. Because we're made in that image. In the image of God. He's a spiritual man. Uncreated. Existed from the beginning. Everything else is created. Except for Jesus Christ has existed from the beginning. The Holy Spirit has existed from the beginning. God has existed from the beginning. They are all together one. Everything else is made. Everything else is made. Those are the kind of things you need to teach your children when they're able to understand so that they don't get swayed by these other beliefs. Now we're going to go to Wacko City. Just, just, you know, Eddie, she's greedy. She's a little nut. She's a little off the deep end. L. Ron Hubbard, on the other hand, is just as nuts as can be. So if you would please take us to Scientology. I wish I had the video ready. As we start doing this tonight, let me read a, a little excerpt here. The founder of Scientology... Lafayette Ronald Hubbard, L. Ron Hubbard, affectionately called Ron by Scientologists, was born March 13, 1911, in Tilden, Nebraska. Holy mackerel, Bill, it's your family's roots. Like, all, when I'm researching Bill's family, it's like all of the, all of the boozes and the kindries came from Nebraska. So, who knows? You might even be related. We'll have to check his stuff. I'm just kidding. Am I, entitled to any of the money? I don't know if there's any left. Hubbard, a popular science fiction writer in the 1930s and 40s, changed venues midstream by allegedly announcing at the New Jersey Science Fiction Convention, writing, this is what he says, okay, this is what he says, writing for a penny a word is ridiculous. If a man really wanted to make a million dollars, the best way would be to start his own religion. The following year, in May 1950, Hubbard released Dianetics, a modern science of mental health. And part of, of Dianetics, I don't know if we'll get to it in there, part of Dianetics is this way to measure. It's, it's a, an e-meter, and it's a, what is it, an electro okay? And you would hold two cans, basically, in your hands that were wired to this machine, and a guy who was a reader, who was a counselor, an advisor, would look at these gauges and tell you if you had these things, Ingrams is what they are, Ingrams, in you, and help you rid the, because you've got to get the Ingrams out, guys. you just got to get the Ingrams out. Um, Ingrams, let me see if I can... You've got to get the Ingrams out. Let me see. I'm looking here to see if there's a... Um, okay. Uh, problem... Here's a... Uh, it appears that this villain of the... Ana- there's an analytical mind and an emotional mind, okay? And, they, and the emotional mind gets in the way of the analytical mind. Your analytical mind doesn't have any problems. There's no sin. There's no mess. There's no disease or anything like that with the analytical mind. But your emotional mind gets in the way and goofs everything up. And here's how he explains it. The example is given. Suppose, for example, of an ingram and its effects on the spirit. Mr. A, Mr. A has a tonsillectomy under anesthetic. During the operation, the surgeon, who wears glasses, comments angrily to a clumsy nurse, you don't know what you're doing. Mr. A recovers. A few months later, Mr. A, a bit tired during a hard day at his office, has an argument with his employer, who happens to also wear glasses who says, you don't know what you're doing. Mr. A suddenly feels dizzy, stupid, and gets a pain in his throat. There is, an installed, there is installed a kind of conditioned semantic response that affects the thetan. Woo-hoo! Um, a thetan... Uh, I'm not even going there yet. Um, these ingrams make, men, make man react insanely in society. In fact, they make man mad, inefficient, and ill. Okay? So these Ingrams, these like pictures, these little snapshots, they come back and haunt you, according to L. Ron Hubbard. And you've got to rid your, your being of these things. Now, thetans are spirits. And the spirits were all like dumped here because the universe was overpopulated. It's hilarious. Bill knows what I'm talking about. You've read this stuff, right? It is, it is absolutely, absolutely, completely bonkers. Um, so, and not only that, see, but you, you've got a Thetan, you're a Thetan, Corey, you're, and you're a Thetan, Steve, but here's the thing, you're trying to get clear, you understand, you follow me, you're trying to get clear, you got to get the Ingrams out of your life so you're clear, when you're clear, then you're like God, see, you're fine when you're clear, this is what Tom Cruise does, okay, Tom Cruise, jumping on the couch and all that stuff, he's, he's Scientology, Well, not really. They're supposed to record the electricity in you and tell the guy whether you've got Ingrams that are there. And see, the problem is that an Ingram can be attached to another Ingram. So you're thinking you're getting this Ingram out, but there's another Ingram attached to it. So you've got to go back and get that one too. You know what? It costs you a little bit of money. You've got to pay the guy to do this, right? So, But if you pay him more, you can do it faster. So guys like Tom Cruise, they can pay $100,000 and they can get clear. It makes sense, right? Now, but the problem is you can have another Thetan attached to your Thetan. These cyclical, that's why I said I'm not even going to go here because it was on here. It's like you've got to get these extra Thetans out. So not only do you have to worry about Ingrams, you've got to worry about Thetans too. But you are a Thetan. But you've got other Thetans attached to your Thetan. You've got to get them off you so you can really be clear. Is it clear? Church of Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard. There he is. 1954 in Los Angeles, California. That's Five years after he said, if you really want to make a million bucks, you ought to start a religion. This is my lifetime. This is my you betcha. College, Current headquarters in Los Angeles, California. Dianetics. By the way, they shipped a whole bunch of these to the library at Miss Kingham, and they were going to throw them out, so June brought them all home for me. So I got a whole box full of them. I'm going to sell them on eBay. the way to happiness who is god scientology does not fa- define god or a supreme being no there's Satan. Uh, there's high lord what's his name uh... Um, zenu see okay the awesome. however it rejects the biblical description of god oh. thetans. thetans i think i'm gonna have an ingram over that one everyone <laughs> everyone is a thetan An immortal spirit with unlimited powers over its own universe, but you're not aware of it, you poor things. Jesus is rarely mentioned in Scientology. He was not the creator. He did not reach the level of operating Thetan. An operating Thetan means that you're able you get all the you get all the, the Ingrams out. And you get all the other attached satans out. And so then you're free. You're clear. You're able to operate and get around. And you can like leave your body and go flying and stuff like that. So see you're supposed to be in control of supernatural powers and cleared from mental defects. Jesus did not die for sins. The Holy Spirit is not part of this belief. There is no sin or need to repent. They believe actually in reincarnation and you go through and go through like these Thetans keep getting recycled and eventually you'll, you know, if you break all this free, then you're, you go to your own universe and you're released. But see, something about, there was something about the the galaxy was overpopulated, had 250 billion people in the planet. So they came over and they put um, nuclear charges uh, four trillion years ago or something on the planet Earth and um, blew all these people up. And so now they're all like disembodied Thetans floating around, you know, so it's, Salvation is freedom from reincarnation. One must work on his Ingrams, hang ups, in the form of mental image pictures with an auditor to achieve a state of clear, then progress up the bridge to total freedom. It sounds, you know, Corey, this sounds like some of your games, you know, with the instructions, you know, and you've got to get the Ingrams out and get away from the Thetans. Hell is a myth. People who get free of Ingrams, become operating thetans, That's having a state of complete... The huh? Today. He would have just the video game. Probably. <laughs> the thing's still... I mean, but this is still thought. I mean, Tom Cruise is a big member. Today, Members observe the birth of Hubbard and the anniversary of the publication of Dianetics. Controversy follows the group worldwide. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Time Magazine and Reader's Digest have published damaging exposés. Organizations related to Scientology include... Narconon, Criminon. Now that means those are nons, okay? So that's, it's an anti-criminal thing. And frankly, narcanon and Criminon actually are fairly successful. That's scary. Because the guys who are coming out of prison are turning into Scientologists. They're helping them go straight. Way to Happiness Foundation, wise. Hubbard College of Administration and Applied Scholastics are all part of R- L. Ron Hubbard stuff. Okay. On the practical level, They often remind Scientologists that Scientology works. However, Scientologists, whose goal is to make the world a better place, were caught deep in criminal activity that seems contrary to their religion and philosophy. More than 5,000 Scientologists were involved in one of the most clandestine, covert spying operations ever aimed at the United States government. 5,000 in one church in one denom- Could you imagine if they caught 5,000 Southern Baptists in espionage? Evidently, none of those involved felt any religious or moral obligation to expose the crimes. Quite accidentally, two Scientologists working undercover, using a phony IRS badge to gain entrance to the Assistant U.S. Attorney's Office, made a grave mistake and the cover was blown. The three-year operation came to a screeching halt. And it goes on to tell about it, um, the operation target of the Federal Trade and Atomic Energy Commissions, the National Security Defense Intelligence Agency, the Department of Labor, Army, and Navy, the U.S. Customs Service, Interpol, and numerous U.S. Police Departments. They were indicted in 1977. This is in our lifetimes. Maybe not yours, but in mine. Right before you guys were born, these guys. Have you ever heard about this on the news? Wouldn't it, shouldn't this be a big deal? L. Ron Hubbard and 24 other Scientologists were named co-conspirators, but not indicted. Mary Sue Hubbard, his wife, and four top Scientologists were given five-year prison terms and fined $100,000 or $10,000 each. Um, on top of, of this, um, this is the most litigious uh, church ever. They sue everybody at the drop of a the hat. They have sued ex-members who have gone out to expose them. Um, so they, they threaten folks. They use they, they use their arsenal of money to to do those kind of things. On the bright side, some of their religious liberty things, because they're stating they're a church, some of their religious liberty things have the co-benefit, we benefit from some of these cases, actually, because of the lawsuits that they brought. Other mainline churches actually benefited um, in sec- uh, not so much in, in uh, securing new freedoms, but just guaranteeing stuff that they already had that was in danger of of, uh, of being squeezed. Um, but uh, Scientology, um, you know, if if you want a good laugh, I've got some of these books because there's Dianetics doesn't cover the whole Lord Vishnu or Vinu or whatever. He's got other he's got like science fiction stories about this. And what was the one they made a movie out of it? Not too long ago. It was like in the last couple of years they had him. Yes. Battlefield Earth. Was in the theaters and all. That's L. Ron Hubbard. That's a. Well, this is supposed to be like the story of how Scientology came. Because, see, all these people were overpopulated and you had this evil lord and all this kind of stuff that happened. And it's, you're reading this it's like, are you serious? Yes, they are. And so, there are some very wealthy people out Oh, by the way, their offices are on a cruise ship, evidently now, and uh, on a yearly basis, wealthy people pay $15,000 to go on a one-week cruise in the Mediterranean, and they keep their headquarters on the ship. They had, they had a yacht off the coast of Florida in the Bahamas, so they keep it out of U.S. waters, uh, you know, they keep it in international waters, but they've evidently upgraded to a full-blown cruise ship. I didn't have a chance to to Google it and get pictures of it, but they've got like a, this full-blown thing that's theirs. And members of the Scientology pay 15 grand to go on a cruise once a year, um, and the the muckety mucks, uh, the board of directors and all meet on this, and all the business and stuff is transpired on this uh, uh, almost their own country, because boats are considered that. Somebody's already building a city. It's not for this purpose, but. And in case you didn't know, they're building a floating city. And it's... Won, uh, maybe not there's a boat. There's one called like World Boat or something or World Ship. They live on yeah, it just goes from place. They're building something much more massive that's almost the equivalent of a floating island. Yeah. Um, it's kind of square, but it, uh, it has motors that will move it around the planet. So this is when you think something's really wacky. You find out the truth is even wackier. Um, this stuff has an appeal to people who are brought up in the video game age. Uh, people who a lot of times I think those who are attracted to it are those who are angry with God or just don't want to believe. You know, because there's a part of you that, that God speaks to and we as people are defiant. And we we know we know what truth is because it's it's part of what God put in us to understand that and realize that. Nobody is without Nobody's going to not have an excuse. I mean, everybody's without excuse. Everybody has the basic knowledge. And so a lot of times people go to these groups not because they're stupid, not because they're ignorant. They go to the groups because they don't want to believe what they know is true. They just don't want to. And they go for something that's even harder. I mean, there's this obstinance. And it's like people are like my granddaughter, Isabel. And Isabel will be sitting there, and we've all gotten to experience Isabel. And if Isabel is sitting there, and let's say Isabel has just finished her cereal, and Isabel says, I want more cereal. And you say, Isabelle, if you ask Papa nicely, I'll get you some cereal. I want more cereal. Now see, all she had to do was say, Papa, could I please have some cereal? And I'll even say, Isabel, just say, Papa, can I please have some more cereal? I want more cereal. And people are just like that. We learn it. I mean, it's who we are. We're built that way from the very beginning. We're defiant. Does Isabel understand what I'm saying? You betcha she understands what I'm saying. Why doesn't she do it? Because she don't want to. She just simply doesn't want to. And if if she gets frustrated enough and I force her enough i can make her say that i mean i could go and grab her little hand and just squeeze it in my hand till her bones were ready to snap and she say, please papa and god could do the same thing does but he doesn't he gives us the choice to willingly do what he wants us to do so come a day we'll unwillingly do what he wants us to do because his will will be done and no man can stand in the way of god's will but the question is will you be standing next to god
2: Ja, och det som ni kanske har lyssnat på nu, hör ni det jag säger nu så ni säkert lyssnat på det här också. Det är alltså Sermon on Christian Science and Scientology uppladdat till archive.org av Shalom Baptist Church. Och det är publicerat över en attribution non-commercial 3.0 licens.